Welcome, Bird Gang, and welcome back, Victory Mondays. On today's show, oh yeah, we'll celebrate a little, have to. Winning on the road in the NFL is hard, regardless of the opponent. The offense, much better, great balance. The question is why? We'll get into that. But first, the bad news. How does this team make up for the loss of Chandler Jones? It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 330, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side to Fitz, caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. It is amazing, MJ, how much better a Monday feels after a win. That's why they call it a Victory Monday. And, uh, well, yeah, I'm feeling much better today than I did the previous two Mondays. The Cardinals get the win. A bounce-back game is how you described it on Cardinal Talk. But, uh, yes, certainly much needed for this team. Now above 500 at 3-2 and two as they beat the Jets 30-10. to 10. Yeah, I remember the last year the Cardinals went on a three-game winning streak starting in week five, and so they already have three wins uh, heading into uh, you know week six on, on Monday Night Football. But, you know, again, if they would have lost that game, uh, the sky would have been falling. They need to fire every single one. they got to move on from Murray. And, again, it's the NFL. I, I always tell people, and, and I know there was it was the Jets. I just want to make that very clear, okay? Uh, it's the Jets. I get it. But those guys get paid, too. They have the same salary cap ramifications, uh, whether they allot it. Uh, they've changed general managers. They're probably going to change head coaches. So they're in a different spot. But you play the teams on your schedule. Um, the NFL makes a schedule, and they tell you to show up at this place. You're not going to show up. I'm being facetious, but I understand Cardinal fans, you know, they pump the brakes. No, if this team would have lost, it would have been a lot worse. They played with some energy. They played with passion. Um, did they play, you know, a full game, 60 minutes? I'll tell you what they did. They played well on offense when they needed to, defense and special teams. Now, you like to do, put that together for a full 60 minutes. We talked about that first month of the season. I think we saw flashes, and we're going to get into it, when it came to the passing game yesterday for the offense. I think what the Cardinals accomplished is what you would expect a team in their position to accomplish against a bad opponent. They went on the road. It's never easy to win on the road, but they did what they needed to do. They got the job done. It was impressive. Final score and final stat line. And now everyone can feel a lot better heading into the next stretch of games, which is going to be a much different stretch than these first five contests. And I thought Kyler Murray said it best afterwards, quote, I don't want anybody on the team to feel satisfied with what happened today just because that's not what it's going to be every weekend, and I hope everyone knows that. Sundays aren't easy, end quote. I'll say this, though, MJ, it certainly beats the alternative. Yeah, and it's probably a bad analogy, but when the Jets played uh, the Broncos, um, Donald was in there, and he they scored 28 points. Now, obviously, Flacco, a little surprising, he was running it. They found a little bit of rhythm maybe in that third quarter uh, with Jamison Crowder. Um, but for the most part, I, I thought the Cardinals offensive line did a good job in protection. Um, you know, we can go back to Murray taking all those sacks last year. 
again, when you t- when you listen to Cliff Kingsbury, whether it's after the game, we got a chance to hear him on Monday afternoon, like we always do. I, I'm not speaking for him, but, but I feel like, and you and I have talked about this in the past. I just a lot of times when Arians would talk on a Monday, I thought it was hyperbole. Like David Johnson left 120 yards on the field, and you go back and watch the film. I feel like the Cardinals felt like they left some points on the field yesterday. Yeah, 30 is a lot. It tied a season high, yet at the same time, you hear from the head coach and you hear from the players after the ball game that there was certainly a lot more out there on the field, so to speak. Kingsbury keeps bringing up the negative plays, the sacks, though Murray was only sacked the one time, but it happened in a part of a game that helped stall a drive. The penalties, too many of them. There were 10, and Kingsbury brought this up, which I found interesting. I had to go back and look. The Cardinals have been penalized more than any other team. But that's not what's fascinating. They have been penalized more in their three wins, 9, 11, and 10 times, versus 7 and 5 in their two losses. On the surface, that's that's inexplicable. I mean, I don't know how you dive into that and figure it out. But in the wins, they are they make more mistakes, apparently. I, I, don't, I don't know. You think it's the opposite. And then the other stat that came to light here on this Monday afternoon is something that the league is calling stalled drives. And the Cardinals lead this category, which is not a good category to lead in, 15 times this season through five games, so at least three times a game on average. The Cardinals have had drives stalled via penalties significant enough to scuttle a possession. And that's the definition of what stalled drives are. And again, I don't know. We could certainly look back at all five games and kind of figure out what those drives are. But it's easy to see looking at Sunday, you know, Kelvin Beecham was called for holding. That helped stall a drive. Justin Pugh was called for holding. And there was a delay of game. That helped stall a drive. So there are instances that we notice, yet now all of a sudden there is a stat to back it up. And if you're the head coach and the coaching staff, you bring in this to your team meeting, your position group meeting, and you say, look, it's us. We're stopping ourselves, not the opponent. Yeah, and when you mentioned 15, and you have some numbers of some other teams just to give our, you know, our listeners an idea, you know, obviously teams that are probably with winning records, um, they're probably going to be a lot less than 15. Um, but, Craig, if you just take 33% of that, that's – Let's just say 33% of 15 opportunities, whether it's seven or three. I mean, now we're talking, you know, at least seven points a game. Now you're getting into 25 to 33, 35. And that's why, again, me just thinking out loud, I feel like when we talk to them, and it varies week to week, but yesterday was a prime example. They felt like they left some points out there. And that's something that obviously is going to stall this offense if they're ever going to be more consistent um, and we'll get into it because I, I thought they showed flashes. I thought the passing game, I, you know, I've been harping on Murray 11 to 19 yards. I, he was much better there. Um, he was 12 of 14 in the second half. Um, he made plays. Um, the guys, obviously, the, the Hopkins plays. But I, I thought the passing game showed progress. Now, as I mentioned to Cliff today, you still we still don't know the identity of your offense. And here we are the second year in this offense. Um, so, and, you know, Dan Arnold didn't play as much, so they went with the tight end. That's something he did last year at this time. I think getting Christian Kirk back really helps. 
Larry Fitzgerald being involved, but I thought we saw flashes. I, I know that you're going to go through some drives where they stalled and they gave the other team opportunities, and when you play better teams, they're going to take advantage of that. Here's that note that you were talking about as far as the stall drives, and I'm getting this from Greg Allman, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for The Athletic, and he brought it up because the Buccaneers have 14 stalled drives, which is the second most behind the Cardinals. Patriots have just one, the Titans two, and then 15 teams, five or fewer. So that is kind of a gauge on where the Cardinals are versus the rest of the league, and it's not good, but it certainly paints a picture for the head coach to go in and say, look, guys, we certainly need to get a lot better if we hope to be better as a team. And now instead of three wins, we're getting to four and five and moving up the ladder because it's only going to get more difficult, and that's why we go back to those losses Earlier in the season, the Lions and Panthers, that's why those potentially could stick out like a sore thumb because those are the teams that you need to beat, have to beat, although I'll give credit to the Panthers. They're on a roll right now. And then when you get to the tougher teams, that's when, you know, it's a coin flip. But your margin for error right now here in 2020 is very slim because of what happened earlier in September. Yeah, and we know if if you don't win the turnover battle, and now yeah, obviously they had the one um, – Turnover, but if you don't win the turnover battle, and, and and quite frankly, penalties are down this year in the National Football League, and scoring is up, and the Cardinals kind of just you know treading water in both of those areas right now, and um, that's going to cost you a game because you know not to look ahead, but you're going to have to score points against the Cowboys, and I know they're going to have the backup quarterback. We'll get into it, but and, and then Seattle they can score points. Now I don't know how good their defenses are, but now the Cardinals are going to have to match that, you know, but. Um, I, I thought they showed flashes, but more the one word we keep hearing now, consistency. It's a new buzzword. We get a new word each and every week, it seems, from the Arizona Cardinals as far as what we want to start trending on social shooting media. The, shooting ourselves in the foot. This is a good get-back game. Uh, we're disappointed. We play, you know, but consistency. And I think it's true, though, Craig, because – if if they can play as a unit like that yesterday, you're going to win some games, you know. But if you you take a step back like you played in the Lions game or the Panthers game, you're going to lose those games. And we know the schedule is going to get more difficult as we get, you know, to the bye week in the second half. Bird Gang, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. We'll turn our attention to the offense here in a moment as far as more in-depth discussion on what we saw on Sunday. But I do want to point out that it wasn't all good news for the Cardinals on Sunday. You know, everyone by now knows about Chandler Jones. No further update from the head coach. Jones scheduled for an MRI on Monday. And then in the words of Kingsbury, we'll go from there. The hope is, MJ, that whatever this MRI shows, if it's torn, partially torn, there is a possibility. Now, the team, actually Jones, it's, he'll have to figure out what his options are and then the team make its decision as well. But there are possibilities of Jones being able to return this season, maybe not right away, but the potential of perhaps rehab, non-surgical, and then making him available at some point here in 2020, or you undergo surgery and the season is lost. Basically, those are the two options. And if you're Jones and the Cardinals, you have to kind of figure out what is best for one, the player, and then two, perhaps long-term for the Cardinals. 
Yeah, well, I'm hoping for the best, um, but I, I, I think him playing at some point, kind of wishful thinking. But that's why they have the MRI, and that's why you have doctors, and, you know, hopefully he'll have options, you know. Uh, you know, we, you know. We obviously, there's a difference between a tear and a partial tear, so I don't want to speculate, but they have mentioned it is a bicep uh, injury. Yeah, it's a huge loss. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, we can talk about next man up and, you know, Dennis Gardeck, you know, they were throwing the football. You know, it's it's different when you're first and 10 and they're coming at you. Um, I think Dennis Gardeck's a great story. And Kylie Fitz is getting more time, very consistent there. Uh, Reddick, hopefully Kennard returns. Yeah, it's a it's a huge loss, and I and I can appreciate next man up, and you know I hope Chandler's around the team because he's a he could be a leader in that locker room, he could be a leader on the field, he can help guys in practice. You know, obviously you're gonna have to wait for the surgery and that recovery, but he will rehab likely in in, in the valley here. So getting ahead of myself, but um, yeah, just I mean, and I know he was off to a slow start, but he makes guys around him better. I think that's evident what the defensive line is doing. I think when you look at Hicks and, and Campbell, um, they were drawing you know some different looks this year because of Chandler. I think Vance tried to move them around, um, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a huge loss. And Kingsbury said the same thing. Quote: He's a huge part of this deal. Talking about Chandler Jones, the play I believe in which he got hurt. I went back and looked at it this morning. Jets had the ball first and 15 at the Cardinals' 15-yard line. It was after the Murray interception. Jones wasn't really in on this play. It was a running play to Le'Veon Bell, and at the end of it, as Bell is going down because he was getting tackled, his helmet collided with Jones's right arm, and Jones immediately looked at the arm, and then Buda Baker was nearby, and it sound, seemed like, based off watching it on television, there was a quick conversation between the two. Jones stayed on the field for one more snap and then went to the sideline. He ended up going to the locker room, came back to the sideline, and TV footage caught him trying to figure out if he could go back in. He was working out with Jordan Phillips, if I remember correctly, yes. and he made a move with his right arm and immediately dropped it. And He's like, I can't go anymore. Um, back into the locker room, came back to the sideline in street clothes. So it's unfortunate, and I'm glad you brought up the fact that he was – statistically not having a great year, at least not what we expected from Chandler Jones here in 2020 following 19 sacks a year ago. But what I think we forget is the attention he receives, whether that's on the left side or the right side. If you're the quarterback, if you're the offensive line, you have to know where number 55 is. And he's one of those rare defenders that that is what you pay attention to whether it's, you know, first level, second level, or third level of the defense. And I think that is where this is going to be a major hit for the Cardinals defensively because now what do you do because defenses don't have to worry about maybe an extra tight end or a running block, a running back to chip on that side wherever Jones was lining up might have more one-on-ones for a Devon Kennard, Hassan Reddick, Kylie Fitz, or Dennis Gardeck. Good for them if they can win those battles. Yet at the same time, uh, you're not going to get as much freedom because Jones is no longer on the field. Yeah, well said. I, I think you hit on some interesting points right there. And we've talked about this in the past. When you're game planning on Monday and Tuesday and you're the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks, um, the first thing you're going to do is where's number 55? And then, you know, even though 
people don't think Patrick Peterson is playing up to par, and I thought he played better in that game. He tackled, he was physical, um, but he's still Patrick Peterson, whether it's name recognition, body of work, he's, and then now the other guy's Buda Baker. I mean, it just changes everything, and, and you brought up a really valid point to where you don't need to have an extra tight end or running back in there. Now you're going to try to win some one-on-one matchups, so... Now, those are really good points. I didn't think about the um, the fact that they can change their offense, but we know the Cardinals do the same thing when they look at an opposing offense and opposing defense. And we always talk about who are the main three or four guys, and you're not going to shut them all down, but you hope to contain, and maybe one's going to beat you, but if you, sh- like Belichick does, he tries to take out your best player. Well, on paper, he was their best player, and now he's not going to be on the field, at least until we know more. Hopefully, Kennard is back on the field. All Kingsbury would say sooner rather than later. He's missed two weeks now because of a calf injury. He did make the trip to New York and was working out before the game, so I would think that would be a positive sign. He has been spotted during the open portion of practice, is working out on the side. Again, a positive sign, but is he available this Monday night for the Cowboys game or the Seahawks game, or is it after the bye week before he returns? Well, I think I'm glad you brought up, you know, that he was on the trip. He's been close. Um, it's one of those things, if, if they had a bye week, it would be perfect timing um, to get him through. But you, you still got a couple games here. So um, from that standpoint, I, I, I think I think he's, he's close. And But the thing is, he's really not a pass rusher. He's more as a guy that can set the edge. He's physical. He's really good against the run. Can he win one-on-one matchups? Sure. But I'm saying a lot of times, you know, Chandler's creating the double team, so he would get free. But he sets the edge really. I know he can put up seven and a half, eight sacks. But, again, he's going to have to do that. But I I do think he's getting closer. I've watched him in the open portion of practice. Um, He goes from one field to the other over a week's time. And you could just see um, just from my eye and watching him, I think he was having a hard time making sure he could push off on that calf to accelerate. Now, he's made progress from where he was initially because before they, they had him with these rubber bands, and you could see he was, you know, he's kind of gradually getting through that process. But um, the fact that he worked out, he could have stayed here and rehabbed over the weekend. Um, yeah, I, I, I would think that he's, based on what's happened here, I would think they definitely need him. And then maybe it's just more of, Outside linebacker pass rush by committee with Reddick, Fitz, Gardeck, maybe even an Isaiah Simmons for a couple of snaps or two. Zach Allen, I was paying attention to him a little bit more in the second half. He seemed to have a good get off working that defensive end position. You're just looking for some pressure on the quarterback to make them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, sacks would be nice, and what Gardeck did on Sunday is amazing. I just don't know you can count on Gardeck for two sacks every single game. It's just a matter of making sure that that quarterback doesn't get comfortable standing there in the pocket, and I think that is where this team will now, and that's regardless of if Jones is coming back or not. He's certainly not going to be on the field this week, so that is where the coaching staff needs to figure out, okay, for this week against the Cowboys, what's plan B without Chandler Jones? And I think, you know, early in the season, you know, Corey Peters was still up there around 65, 70% of the snaps. I noticed yesterday Zach Allen led the D lineman with 44. Peters, 37. I could give you percentages. Phillips was playing with the flu. 
He only played 32, Blackson 24, Lucky 19, and Lauren 17. So that was the first time that Allen's had more D-line snaps than Corey Peters probably in a long time, unless you go back to uh, when he was starting last year. But, um, yeah, I think he, you know, again, I don't know if he's going to fill up the stat sheet, but his toughness and his energy, you know, he's got more athleticism than, than Gardick. Um, he's strong. He's he's been in the league long enough now. He knows what it's like to go against a left tackle and a right tackle. So I would expect him to to make more plays. I don't know if he ever can stand him up, but sometimes we see the Cardinals put two defensive linemen up there and, and they got DBs and linebackers just standing at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes they'll drop or they'll rush. I think he can do that. Um, but I think you got to find a guy that can rush the passer. And if there's somebody out there, and I know what you're going to say. There's a reason why they're available. Some guys are just waiting for the right opportunity. Some guys don't want to be lowballed. Some guys want to come back, but maybe they only come back to a team that you know is close to their home. There's there's a lot of factors. But if they bring in somebody like that, I think he'd be a 12 to 15, 18 snap guy. I mean, and and I think Kyle Vandenbosch hit it on the head, just like Rob Fredrickson last week about the offense. You know, east and west. Fredrickson said that's one position. I'm sorry. Vandenbosch said that's one position where you can come in and play. Now, they do have some assignments, but the whole idea is there's the quarterback. Go get him. So I know, I know I'm simplifying it, but for a player to say that, like wide receiver routes, um, defensive backs, where do I line up in certain coverages, you know, check calls, no, just rush the passer. So hopefully I got to think they're going to, you know, they – Every team brings in players. We know COVID's a little bit different, but they, they have a new protocol for that. Um, just like TJ Ward, they brought him in. They weren't going to play him. He hasn't played yet. Um, hopefully we get more on Banjo. But, yeah, I, I, it would surprise me if they didn't try to go out and sign someone or bring somebody in for a look. Is uh, Dwight Freeney an option? Is he still out there and available? That was a huge get for the Cardinals back in the day. And what was it uh... – was it two hundred and fifty thousand or five hundred thousand dollars for every sack? And he kind of made it a joke, and he was on a roll for a little while there. That was a lot of fun. You know, us getting a chance to work with former NFL players, including Cardinal players. Every time we ask Roy Green, "Can you go out there?" and Bertrand Barry, and even Kyle Vandenbosch, which he would pass the All Airport team, you you would think he'd still play. And they always say, "I only got one one snap in me." You don't have a quarter? A drive? A couple? You know, it's a, I mean, just well, one. you got to get warmed up. We'll Anyways, have to yeah, uh, wait so and see I, I, what the yeah, Cardinals do. I was going to mention uh, John Abraham, but obviously, yep. you know, another guy, um, he had some issues, but he definitely knew how to rush the passer. But uh, there's, there's got to be somebody out there. And you want somebody that's played last year. Uh, they could be coming off an injury. Obviously, they have to go medical and physical. But you want somebody that's played and somebody that's worked out with some teams this year from that standpoint to where, all right, teams are also interested, not just us. Yeah, we wait to see what the decision is for Chandler Jones and then what the Cardinals do from here. And we'll follow that all week long here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals as we continue here on this Monday. All right, let's shift back to the Cardinals on offense. And yeah, it was a good performance, but as we chronicled earlier, they certainly expect a lot more from themselves. And we asked this question last week 
the first four games and how the offense was kind of disjointed, especially against Carolina, and did something need to change? Was there a philosophical shift as there was a year ago after the first four games? And I think we did see a different offense on the field against the Jets, though I think it's still left to be seen if that was by design or was it because of who the opponent was? Is that what the Jets allowed the Cardinals to do as far as the deep shots? Kyler Murray with all kinds of time in the pocket because of the protection the offensive line provided a little bit less of a rush from the Jets because they wanted to make sure Murray was staying in the pocket. Does that change next week against the Cowboys, the following week against the Seahawks? But this is a good starting point if we see what we saw on continue now into Monday Night Football and then against the Seahawks. Yeah, this is not a cop-out, but I, I think it's a combination. I, I think they did a nice job spreading the ball out. I mean, even Trent Sherfield got out in there, whether it was one catch. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson made a really uh, good catch, uh, allowed the team to continue to drive. Uh, we know Andy Isabella with Christian Kirk back, probably not going to get as much touches or targets. Christian Kirk gives this team another element. Um, you know, Larry, you know, just being out there and, you know, obviously you got to make sure you, you see where he's at. I like the fact that, you know, um, Terrell Daniels was really taking a replacement of Max Williams. He played more than Dan Arnold. Um, so, you know, um, Jonathan Ward, uh, I really didn't see him out there, but he, as he played a couple snaps, he's kind of like your fullback, but he's more of a special teams guy. Again, as I mentioned, uh, on the post game show last night, um, and this is just me looking from the outside in and what I see. I want to get Chase Edmonds more involved in the offense. Now, in fairness to Kenyon Drake, something happened. Um, he started running downhill. Um, he had 10 carries in the second half for 45 yards. That's 4.5 a pop. He definitely helped him run down the clock there. Uh, but I just think Chase brings a different aspect to the game, and he's really good in, in, in the screen game. And, you know, people are saying, why don't they throw a ball to Drake? He's not David Johnson. I mean, now, when he's in the game, he, he can block, he can pass protect, he can release out. I noticed the Cardinals were putting a, a guy on the sidelines yesterday when Kyler Murray would go through his progressions, and if they were all recovered, they would he, they would check it down. They always had a guy by the sidelines. you notice that? Yeah, I went back and I wanted to be specific and watch for the wide receiver screen because it was a lot of east and west last week against the Panthers. But yesterday against the Jets, there was only one pass thrown to a wide receiver, the wide receiver screen, and that was DeAndre Hopkins in the third quarter in which he had nothing and reversed field oh, to yeah. go up the sidelines for a 13-yard game. Now, earlier in the contest... There was a throw to Andy Isabella on the sideline, but that was, as you said, that was more of a check down, and that happened yes. in the first quarter. He was the last option. And then in the second quarter, when Isabella had that drop, on that play they had three receivers lined up on the sideline, and it looked like Kyler Murray wanted to go to Christian Kirk initially for that screen, but saw Isabella break inside and was free. Unfortunately, they weren't able to connect. So what I saw, and again, that's just me, I don't, Maybe I'm not even knowing what I'm supposed to be watching, but just on my own novice eyes, I only saw one pass thrown in that wide receiver screen game, which is, I think, what, 10, 12 fewer than we saw last week. So that was a huge difference from against the Panthers. 
Yeah, and it's interesting because if you're going three or four wide, you're basically taking a guy out of the route, but it allows Murray to go through his progressions, and if he doesn't see anything, now A, he could take off. B, he could try to extend the field with you know running and throwing. But now you've got a guy, it, you're, it's not a negative play. It's an easy throw, almost an extended run play, and they can get three or four yards. But I hadn't seen that this season to where it was every play, but I know there were certain points in that game they had a guy – just almost standing there, you know, ready ready to catch the ball, but he was not the first option. The other difference that was noticeable on Sunday was the vertical passing game and how many shots downfield, not deep shots, just extended shots, if you will. Next Gen Stats had Kyler Murray making 13 throws of at least 10 or more yards, and he completed nine of those. And then he went four of five on throws deeper than 20 yards in which the ball sails at least 20 yards, not a 20-yard gain in which the wide receiver catches it and runs. So I don't know. We're asking the question, is that something that is a philosophical shift after reviewing the first four games, or is it because they saw something on tape against the Jets defense specifically? Well, if you look at where the Jets were ranked, I mean, their secondary is – basically at the bottom. All their rankings are at the bottom, offense, defense. So, yeah, I, I think that was based on – now the, the Cowboys secondary, I mean, we'll get into it. They, they, they're rolling out backups. I mean, they're linebackers. They lose another guy in the line. Uh, Seattle, I mean, they have decent corners. I think I like their linebackers. But last night, you know, Minnesota was able to run the football down their throat. So, yeah, I, I think it's because of the Jets, but – the next two games, I, I still think you can run that offense. Um, and, and whether Murray wants to be a pocket passer or not, um, he made the throws. Now, I was going to ask you, we're starting to see a little bit of this. When he's getting ready to get hit and he just throws it up for grabs, what are your thoughts on that? I think he got lucky several times on Sunday because as well as his numbers were, and I thought they were very, very good, 380 yards, a new career high. But you talked about the first throw of the game. He threw it up to Christian Kirk and the ball was tipped, almost intercepted. There was a near interception by Pierre Desir on a pass that was way off to Larry Fitzgerald in the second quarter. And then he had a fourth quarter interception negated by a Jets penalty. Yep. And we're all high on the deep ball to Hopkins, that 45-yarder, MJ, he underthrew that ball. And Chris Spielman noted it on the broadcast. He catches that in stride. It's a touchdown. And so, again, far from perfect, and maybe that was what Murray was alluding to after the ball game, yet it was a noticeable difference from an offensive standpoint. Not a lot of dink and doink throws more in the middle because the middle seemed to be really wide open against the Jets. Yeah, and, yeah, that, that that's interesting because, yeah, I, I, I do remember that. But I, I, I love the fact that he knew that he could, he had a free play. Yes, and you know what? Credit Mason Cole for snapping that ball because he yes. was the only one of the offensive linemen that moved. Well, prior to that, got he's it. the only one that didn't snap the ball for one. <laughs> yes. Touche, right? Um, exactly. But, yeah, because Aaron Rodgers, he's he's the master at that. Brady. And, and sometimes, you know, it's a split second, okay? Um, you know what the penalty is going to be, but it's it's a free play. I, I To me, I would take that in chances. But when he's getting pressure and he runs out of the pocket, especially to his left side, 
and he throws it up there, you know, hoping somebody's going to get the 50-50 ball, you got to cut that down. You know how I feel. It's okay to punt. There were some times in which he threw the ball away, but I think he needs to have a more conscious effort to throw it towards the sidelines and out of bounds. And I know he needs to learn, and he is still learning, because DeAndre Hopkins brought that up after the ball game as far as, hey, look, trust me to make the catch even when I'm covered. It's no different than Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald, and I think that is something that the quarterback and wide receiver are still working on, but you don't want to throw it up as if it's a Hail Mary or, hey, anyone up for grabs, make sure that you're targeting someone and that receiver has the position, as we saw with Hopkins, not only on the 45-yarder, but the 37-yard touchdown. He had perfect position, an unbelievable catch. He basically caught it off his chest and corralled it with one hand. Yet, I think he did get away, talking about Kyler Murray, with a a handful of throws that might have made the difference if this game had gotten another outcome, if you will. Yeah, I, you know, I'm sure he's told to throw the ball away, but I've seen too many of those throws just throwing it up there. And and we, we criticize him for taking the sack, um, and we all know that we don't want him to see, you know, get hit. I, I think he's been hit a little bit more this, this last couple of games than he's been hit probably all last season, you know, just what I see, but – he does protect his body, but yeah, to me, I don't want to say it's reckless because I know he's he's, he's he's throw the ball away. But I, like you said, just throw it out of bounds. If you're outside the tackle box, throw it out of bounds. I just hope that's not a bad habit that because I, I, he thinks that and the ball's high. It's not like he, he he's throwing on a rope, which you and technically, in fairness to him, you are allowing the receiver. But so many DBs are going to try to get around there then if the ball's in the air more than it should be. It's almost like he doesn't want to waste a play. But if you're going to consistently have 60 to 65 offensive plays, there are going to be plays that don't work. And you know what? Tip your hat to the defense. Just don't have a negative play or turn the ball over. And I think there could have been one or two interceptions thrown aside from the one that was tipped yesterday against the Jets. So he just needs decision-making and then still learning what he can do with his wide receivers. And I think that's what Hopkins was referencing after the ball game with respect to a conversation he had with Murray when Hopkins notices that he's got single coverage. Quote, I was telling Kyler, just trust me. I just told him to give me a chance and let's work on some things. Interesting line at the end of that. Let's work on some things. If this quarterback and wide receiver, as good as they've been so far through five games, they get on the same page even more, especially on those deep shots. That's when I think this offense will start to get clicking in rhythm, if you will. Well, I mentioned on the postgame show, I, you know, I watched his body language and I thought two catches for 25 yards, you know, but at the same time, they were spreading the ball around, but he is Hopkins. And, you know, as he said, you know, nobody ever thinks as a, as a down the field guy, he's more of a possession receiver. And, you know, on the all or nothing, or maybe it was the flight plan last year, there was a conversation in the bubble where Larry basically told Kyler, hey, that may not look like I'm open. Trust me, just throw it in my vicinity. Um, you know, I'll take my chances with both of those guys because of their uh, their football IQ, the, their catch radius, their hand, how strong their hands are. And it sounds like they had that conversation last week, 
And I, I watched him go, you know, a couple times, you know, he'll, he'll walk off the field and kind of, he has his helmet in his hand and you could see he was waiting for Murray to come, you know, maybe get back over there and start looking at the, uh, the, um, Microsoft tablet. But I could tell that he was thinking, are you looking at, are you looking for me or, and so I did watch his body language, and then what he did in the second half is just unbelievable. I mean, he finished with what, six catches, 131, and a touchdown. Yeah, his third 100-yard receiving game with the Cardinals, and they've only played five games with DeAndre Hopkins on the field. But to your point, four pass catchers were targeted at least six times, and six pass catchers had at least two catches. So a good balance on the passing game and a good balance on the run game as well with Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds, and Kyler Murray all having a rushing touchdown. The other wide receiver that I thought had an interesting comment after the ball game is Christian Kirk, who finished with five catches for 78 yards, targeted seven times. Kirk, after the ball game, quote, definitely felt like today was a breakthrough for me and him, talking about Kyler Murray. And... Once again, we're left to wonder, did something click Sunday in New York or was it just a one-off? And here I'm saying, let's hope something clicked with a Hopkins, a Kirk, this offense in general, that this can be now a starting point. The second quarter of the season begins with, yes, a win over the lowly Jets, but it's when this offense turned the corner. Yeah, and, and maybe it's because Christian Kirk got back on the practice field. I mean... When you're not out there, it's hard to create chemistry and rhythm. Um, they obviously are very close. Um, they, they've known each other before he was drafted, played with each other. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just think Kirk's got to be on the practice field. Um, you know, again, let's be honest. If we look ahead, Christian Kirk's going to be your slot receiver and Hopkins is going to be your ex guy. And then we'll see how these other guys pan out, but that's the future right there. I mean, Christian Kirk. You know, he's just got to stay healthy, and a lot of times he's played through injuries. But I think him being on the practice field, uh, they've always had a connection, I thought. Um, but now, you know, Kyler's got options, and he's going to throw the guys that are open. But um, to get that connection going, I think it's only going to be better. And, again, when we get to the future, he'll be your number one slot receiver. And Murray, after the ball game, as far as all those different options, because it was pointed out to him how many different players had at least a couple of catches and in the run game as well. Quote, we've got weapons. I think we have to use our guys, end quote. And that goes back to what we've heard from Murray since day one. I don't want to be a running quarterback. I don't want to have the entire offense on my shoulders as far as me doing all of the work. Let me get the ball in the hands of the playmakers. And I thought he did a better job of that especially on the receivers that were coming across the middle, whether that was Fitz, Kirk, or Isabella, because now all of a sudden an eight-yard completion, they take it upfield, and they add another five, six, or you break a couple of tackles for a long run. There were seven pass plays of at least 20 yards in that contest yesterday. Yeah, and that's, you know, I always look at splash plays 20 yards or more, but the fact that you mentioned, uh, according to Next Gen, 10 plays, 13 plays over 10 yards, was you said? It was 13 throws, 13 throws. in the air of at yeah. least 10 that's, or more that's, yards. That's better because that intermediate route stuff wasn't there. Well, you pointed it out last week that he was not very good talking about Kyler Murray as far as the shorter throws and, you know, at least. And they call that, I mean, I always think of uh, the red zone is, is the green zone. 
because cash in. They call they call the eleven the nineteen the money zone. All good quarterbacks, that's where they make their money. You know, because Kyler can make the throw from the right hash mark to, to an out route on the left side to Hopkins. He can make the throws, and I know size wise, sometimes he's got to find a sliver or a pocket. Um, he's got to, you know, um, you know, he's not six foot four, so he just can't release it. He's got to put a little air on it. Um, but that's the money uh, yardage, eleven through nineteen, and then when you get in the red zone, you want to punch it in. But you know, we talk about Kyler Murray, and when he runs, you know, seven or eight times, this team has a better chance of winning. You know, he's that's who he is. But got to be honest, Craig, I watched that Dak Prescott game last night. I'm like. I don't yeah, know. It's, and and, and Vandenbosch texted me and said, that's why you don't want quarterbacks running. Now, we can talk about protecting yourself and everything else. I mean, Dak Prescott went out for a touchdown pass yesterday, so they they use him in different roles. Um, but, man, that was, that, that was devastating. I, prayers to him. Man. I hate to see any player get hurt, whether they're on the Cardinal schedule or not. Yeah, and I was really looking forward to that matchup of quarterbacks next Monday night. And unfortunately, Dak Prescott uh, not going to be on the field for the Dallas Cowboys. But yeah, injuries are going to happen, and you certainly don't want to take away a quarterback's game or at least part of their game. And that's that's the quarterback in this day and age. It's the ability to run to keep defenses honest. And maybe you don't want Murray running nine times like he did on Sunday, but it's that threat. If you have an extra defender in the box because they're worried Murray might take off, and all of a sudden you've got one less defender covering your wide receivers. Well, when we tweet out, you know, where they're ranked in rushing and how many yards and what the average is, I mean, we just think it's the running game. It, a lot of it is Kyle Murray. Sometimes I mean, how, many rushing, how many rushing touchdowns? He got five? He's got five. He had yeah. four all of last year. Exactly. And his average per carry, I mean, I, I know he's not touching or the rock like those other guys are. But when we talk about their rushing game and how successful it's been under Sean Coogler, he, he's a big part of it. And sometimes the focal part, at least what we saw through the first four games, we'll see if that changes now as we enter the second quarter of the season, if there is a shift as far as, hey, you know what, I'm Kyler Murray and I don't need to run as much because the offense has found a different gear or a different focus. Let's throw the ball a little bit more to the guys that get paid to catch and run or run the football. I get paid to throw it if I'm I know, a quarterback. But that sounds good in theory. I just think it's going to be instincts. True. I mean, they can have the perfect play. They got it covered. It's just going to. Now, one other thing I want to say about Murray, and my mom brings it up to me a lot. So this is coming from my mom who watches Cardinal game. She's like, he's going to fumble that ball at one point because he keeps it, he keeps it out there. He doesn't tuck it in. I'm like, that's how he runs. I mean, this, he, when I watch his high school games and in college, I mean, and granted, Patrick Peterson tried to punch a ball out yesterday. Um, good thing they don't have the Bears on the schedule when Peanut Tillman was there. But any concerns there? Yeah, it doesn't look – put it this way. Your mom's not wrong. It's not a good <laughs> look. Something you don't want to teach young quarterbacks – but maybe his grip on that football, maybe yeah. he's just got a tight grip that he'll never lose it. But, yeah, what's the first thing you're supposed to do when you catch it or you're running it? Tuck it in, bend that elbow, secure the football, and you got Murray hanging it out about three feet, which is never a good thing. No, but and the problem is, for the most part, they can't catch him from behind. 
<laughs> that that's true as well. And, and the other thing I love when he does the the the, the fake pump, fake throw and the guy's like jumping and he makes guys look silly and then he's got that little uh, stutter step where he, you think he's going fast and he kind of like Fred Flintstone, you know. It's not probably a good analogy, Fred Flintstone and Colin Murray, like the Roadrunner. There you go. That's better. Yeah, where he's running in place and then he takes off. No, I, I really enjoy that part of the game because that play action to me is very effective. Um, the RPOs yesterday, putting the ball in the belly, making the decision to take it out. Now, there's a lot of good things. Um, and, again, he, he's still young and, you know, he'll get better. But, uh, it's just, you know, like anything else, um, I'm sure Mahomes went through it. I think Lamar Jackson's still going through it. And you you got to clean up on the little things because um, it's not always just about throwing the ball and, getting first downs there's a lot to go into playing quarterback in the nfl bird gang subscribe to arizona cardinals podcast on apple podcast spotify google podcast stitcher and soundcloud listen to your favorite shows on the go like cardinals underground the big red raids the cardinals red sea report and of course this show cardinals cover two visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information mj love victory mondays and maybe we'll have to make this one bleed into tuesday as well i just think they they showed flashes um in all three areas now again cut down the negative plays penalties um, penalties are going to happen i mean if if kevin Beecham's going to hold a guy in the versus him get that kyle murray i'm all for it but sometimes it's just you're late on a play and you know obviously you don't want your quarterback to get hurt um but dj humphreys i mean uh go to easycardinals.com kyle odegaard put out a story it's remarkable what he's doing, and he's probably not getting the, the love that he deserves. And the Cardinals really are, are they're playing seven guys on the offensive line now. It seems like with you know with Sweezy and Pew, and you know obviously Mason Cole's kind of like the fixture now. It looks like it's his job to lose. Um, but DJ Humphreys, it's it's nice because once you you know we look at guys like you know Humphrey got paid and he's playing well, and you look at Buda Baker, he got paid and he's playing well, and you look at DeAndre Hopkins, he got paid and he's playing well. And, you know, I, I know at the end of the day, um, we're not talking about dollars and cents on the field, but when you pay these guys, it's it's a reflection to where the organization feels like your core. And I'm sure guys are in the locker room saying, well, not only did he get paid, but he's also playing up to his 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 salary, and it's that's a good thing. So, but you know, again, I I, I think there's stuff. I, I was encouraged what I was able to see. I know it was against the Jets, um, but. It's still a work in progress. Well said. And on that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.